Hello! Hey, I'm Alan, and I'm here with... Brent! And we're here for episode 6 of AB Testing, as if you couldn't get enough, right? Absolutely. We're having a good time, and Brent, I, I, um, I don't know if you realize this, but I believe our listener list is approaching double digits. I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> I have gotten all sorts of people. Hey, I'm actively listening. I'm actively listening. That's it's, really cool. Uh, I was talking to Lowell, a friend of ours, a mutual acquaintance this, morning, this afternoon. He said, I listened to your podcast. I said, did you hear the one where I had to bleep Brent out? He goes, oh, not yet. So if you're looking for that one, that's episode four. You and- know, I listened to that uh, three or four times, <laughs> and it wasn't on the, until the fourth time that I heard the beep because I think um, – I had kids or something in the car, and it skipped right over that. <laughs> and then I was about to call you and go, what the heck was this? And I'm like, oh, right. Right, right. So what you don't see is maybe someday we'll get all high tech, and you can get the uh, the video version. We'll do a vlog. Is it a vlog, a video blog? You don't realize how much I taunt Brent just using the power of of suggestion, mi- microphones, or writing things on my coffee cup. Yes. <laughs> Things. <laughs> so anyway, we're having a good time, and uh, we're here to talk about our uh, a couple things. And we have our, our Kanban list, our lean coffee list on the board. And the first thing I wanted to talk about was a little revelation I had. I've read a lot of books on agile and flow and value and things like that. And I had a conversation with a, a development manager last week. And he's uh, I, I, I like him. I respect him a lot. He's great. But he pushes my buttons in a way that makes me think about things. And so there's both good and bad in that. Yeah. Brett just gave me a look. <laughs> I'm so like pushing we, buttons, but we're think having about a things. conversation about trying to figure out how we're going to track our work or a better way. I was suggesting better ways to track our work within our project tracking system. And I'm going to go ahead and explain the whole thing to you. I think it's fair to do. And you can give me how you would do this. Okay. So in Xbox, um, I ran sort of a virtual team uh, to do all our infrastructure and tools. We ended up with about 80 different people contributing to the tools we used to test and, and, and systems and reporting and things we used for testing Xbox. And we had a special node, and we used TFS for project tracking. We had a node we called the Test Development Kit, which kind of included sort of the engineering system work that we did. And I suggested we should do that on this new team. I think it was a great way to track that work. One, to understand sort of the tax the team is playing on, what what. What are you writing that's not product code? But two, just sort of track that thing. So I like the idea. Okay. Not married to it. I like the idea. What they really wanted to do was keep the work, track that work within the node of the team that understood. So there's four nodes, like teams A, B, C, and D. If someone on team A was doing some build system work, it would be tracked under team A's, even though it didn't map. So he's really insistent on mapping the 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 project tracking hierarchy to his team hierarchy. So, so he, he more than likely wants to map the work being done by the person who's going to be on the yeah. end and, of, and, of his finger. And we talked about it. He goes, well, I can't do capacity planning. There's a nice factory term for it, meaning he wanted to figure out with his whole team doing work, and you want to be able to track that person's work. And I realized walking away, I said, okay, I get what you're trying to do, and I'll, I'll make this work. I'm, you know, it's, you have to choose your battles over time, right? Why? And I think you have to choose your battles over time. I may fight that one again, but I walked away thinking about... You're not being agile. You need you, to prioritize your battles. <laughs> I do, and it's down the list a little bit. All right. The one with you is above. 
Fair enough. So I was, I walked away. Specializing generalists. I walked away. uh, I walked, reflecting on the conversation, thinking about, you know, what can I, you know, I got to think about this. You know, why? And what I do, my technique a lot is I think, well, what's motivating people to make these decisions? And and he has a lot of, a lot of experience and success in doing things this way. And, you know, I like to prioritize my battles, but I'm trying to work with him. But anyway, walking away, I'm thinking about this and I go, you know, the difference is, is he is really concerned with tracking activity and people. And what I, what I really look for in, and when I'm using these tools for this is I want to, I want to see stuff getting done. I care about the work and the, I want, I want the value stream. Yeah. I want to see stuff start to get ticked off. That's what excites me. I care, and again, I don't manage people. I lead projects, but I don't manage people. And I can see why he wants to use that as a tool why? to manage. Because what he's used to. He does. He wants well, but to use, what, what goal does it solve? Look, I'm, I'm not arguing for him. I'm trying, no, no, I'm trying I'm to. No, no, I'm asking you, what do you think the goal is he's trying to solve? It is his, it's his management tool. It's how he manages his team. So he mentioned that he wants to be able to do capacity planning. Yeah. So is what he's trying to do is is create a, a predictable model? <laughs> so yes, he is. He's trying to say, I think this will be get done on September 15th. Absolutely. He very much believes in predicting the future. Okay. So um, he's, he's the crystal ball mm-hmm. manager. Again, there are battles to be fought. I'll worry about that. But anyway, yeah. but regardless of, we can talk all about how he, you know, I don't like the way he's doing it. I don't like the way he's doing it. Okay. I, I would never, ever work for him. But I have to work with him. So I think, but now I know his motivation. He's really concerned about tracking people. And I'm concerned about tracking just stuff getting done and knowing what that work is in a sort of maintainable, discoverable way. Like, for, especially for things that, are, that are span the team. Like, we, we don't have a tools team Yet we have people that need to add build configurations to VSO or need to write some scripts for migrating a repository or something. Those don't fall into any of our functional areas. But I want to track that work because that work's important. I want to make sure we can, one, f- discover what that is. Like right now, it's very difficult for me to go see what is in our system that's in sort of that engineering systems area. Or if, somebody, if I want to add something, I need to add a work item for somebody to make sure that um, something in the system gets done, where do I enter that? And there's no good answer for that now. So you, or he wants predictability. You want stuff getting done. Yes. Okay. The so I more, I fall in a different direction. So when I when I look at this uh, problem, so Alan's messing with my microphone because he refuses to speak into it. But anyway, go on. <laughs> So when I look at this problem, I generally tend towards the flow side of the camp. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, Reinertsen flow or flow in general? Uh, Reinertsen's flow, uh, but when I mean this, I mean more the Kanban style that 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 throughput is more important than predictability, and that becomes important when you add the thing that you mentioned at the beginning of this topic. So if you have throughput plus business value in a way that you can generate dynamic backlogs, uh, then predictability becomes dramatically less valuable. There's only one case where it, it becomes super valuable, predictability, and that's when there's dependencies in play. 
So, so if this guy needs to hit something by June 1st because he has another team waiting on that and they can't begin their work in, on, until they, they have that dependency in their hands. Yeah, I think we're I, – I agree. I think we're largely agreement on this. The key thing is that I'm – our approach to, to work item tracking, this dev manager and I, are not just different. And I've, I've made it – maybe I made it sound like – because I'm not fighting with him that I'm, that I'm sort of acknowledging his is okay. It's fundamentally opposed. The other thing I see that's a problem with his model is he's not – he's trying to predict his capacity and not trying to – to improve it, not trying to burn or, or make yeah. capacity available. Yeah, and I can tell you, um, if you look at you know Dan Pink's work about motivation, um, there's a lot of this in there, but I am way more motivated by watching items get done, that value stream occur, than I am by getting my estimates right. Alan and I, um, we did this, uh, it's sort of a psychotyping test a while ago. Oh, yeah. Strength finders, and one of the things that Alan has is he's an achiever, which is exactly what he keeps saying. He wants to get stuff done. Whereas I'm a restorative, which means I want stuff fixed. I like <laughs> I like making broken things non-broken. And so the only other thing I would add to that is, great, you got it done. But the next follow-up is, how do we get this type of work done faster next time? Yeah, and that's a big part of what I self-prescribe of what I do on the team is I want to, using a term from uh, – the lean startup. I want to increase the efficiency and speed of our build, measure, learn loop. So you brought up value stream. Have you ever heard of the the tool called a value stream map? No. Tell me about the value stream map. A value stream map. Uh, you think you can think of it as a linear diagram, where work goes through phases, and each of the phases are either a work phase or a wait phase. Okay, so, so generally the way these value stream maps are drawn is a – it's kind of like a um, – what's the square sine wave called? Is that called a square wave? So uh, it goes square up, wave. Square wave. Square wave. So you, it's kind of drawn like a square wave where the, the, the top part of it is time spent working, and then it goes into delay. Maybe you're doing a handoff or you're, you're waiting for someone to get back from vacation so they can pick it up, uh, and that's in the valleys. And then it goes back up to work. And then um, what my team does is we do a flow-based exercise, and any time a ticket exceeds our SLA, no matter what ticket we work on, it has to be com- once we start it, it has to be completed in two weeks. If it fails to get completed in two weeks, we're going to do a value stream map for that ticket, and we're, we're going to look at what caused the delays in that system and figure out how to work those delays out of our process what we should have done differently, and learned from it. Uh, what this enables us to do is not just accept that the way stuff works is the way it's going to continue to work, but constantly improve it. Um, one of the fallacies around capacity, we are moving into a world where we have to move very fast. And, 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 and move quickly in the right direction. Correct, which is the, the business value um, part of the, the discussion that we're having, right? That's, that should be what defines the right direction. Sure. And we talked about, I'll interrupt and do a flashback to episode five, but we talked about the principles I established for our team, not the entire team, but for our quality old world test team, um, which are we value people that 
achieved. They get the, they get a lot of work done. That mm-hmm. work has business value. You know, you work with others, and, and, and but those things are all reflected in how a big chunk of our team works. So I'm actually leading a a, a reorg of um, how we do work a certain way in our team. It, uh, have you heard of the the term fundamentals or NFRs? This is sort of the oh, and a non-functional requirements. Yeah. So per stress, scalability, yeah. security, compliance. Yeah. So my team has twenty of them, and the way they've been. I'll interrupt because that's what we do here. How did you decide on twenty? I wasn't part of this process. I I mean, why of, not nineteen or twenty-one? Um, twenty is a good number. All right. But nineteen would have been prime. I I, I would have divide things by five with twenty. Seven's prime. I would pick seven. Uh, yeah. If <laughs> zero seems like a good number to me. Continue, Brent. All right. Anyway, so the the way this work's been deployed is it's sort of a matrix V team model, where because there's so many of these um, fundamentals, there was a desire to sort of simplify it, and they all kind of involve deep knowledge in that space, like federal or regulatory compliance you can't just say hey dev read this spec right you need to have someone who understands and can prioritize and and roll it out the the challenge is the there was a bunch of owners that so basically v teams upon v teams upon v teams in order to make this thing successful there were there was a a divisional you know how i feel about v teams right yeah. All right, go and, on. Go and on. and, and your feeling is going to be nothing but validated here. Um, <clears throat> so long story short, all these V teams pushing requirements down to, to the same individual developers who's trying to get work done and just now has got requirement overload. Massive stall in the system. Okay. So one of the things that I am doing is I'm saying, hey – we're never going to succeed with that because the dependency matrix and the knowledge sharing that's implied to make this successful is false. Like people just do not have the ability to lightweight pick this up. And, and one of the things that they were trying to deploy is, well, we'll just file tasks and we'll file bugs and they'll know what to do. But they don't, the person doing the work doesn't have the context to understand the priority of this in comparison to everything else that they're mm-hmm. doing, and they don't have they don't have the goal. So it'd be things like do ten iterations of fuzzing. Well, how do I know if that's right or not? Right? Okay, I did ten. Is it good? So now you added another delay in the system. Anyway, I'm working to take these things and interleave them together. So what we're going to do is each of these things, their whole purpose in life is to reduce risk to our service, right? So not all categories reduce the same amount of risk. And certainly some category that's a low risk reducer, maybe its first requirement is super high. So what we're going to do is come up with a way to normalize off of risk reduction to the business and stack order that whole list. And then we're going to carve off the top four of them, make it simple, and say, all right, everybody in the feature team, we as a whole team are going to get these four done this next month, quarter, whatever it is. We have, we're, we're beginning this. But what we did is instead of, of 
trying to push multiple timeline requirements and trying to push multiple re requirements in general down to, to the poor guys, we said, hey, we have a definition of business value. We, we're, we've ordered this list by that business value. And now we're going to carve off capacity. So proactively, everyone will need to fund what is necessary to get their guys to done on these things. Uh, and that will be more important than uh, feature development. Cool. I think there was a tie back I was going to do back to value stream mapping. That's okay. But first, I'm going to talk about virtual teams. I'm sure your virtual teams are fantastic, your V teams. And I've seen a lot of really poorly run V teams where they, I'll give you some examples. The yep. V team contains about 30 people, and maybe one person is doing work. Everyone else is kind of, you know, listening in and showing up to meetings and sending email during the meeting. And often, oh, no, often, no, no, no. wait, let me finish. Okay. Often, like, or like the V team will, uh, They'll get something done. They'll keep meeting and not know what to do. They'll kind of twiddle their thumbs. It, it's stupid. It's stupid. But good V teams are indeed possible. And the technique I use, virtual teams, is... Wait, wait. You forgot one thing. Okay, tell me. The, the other thing in terms of your first example of V teams that fail, where everyone's like doing laptops, mm -hmm. there are a few people who contribute, and their value add is to, is to tell the one guy who's doing all the work, oh, no, no, we can't do it that way. <laughs> so... I don't think I've ever blogged about this. I have some notes on it, but I like the world, what I call it, the world of Warcraft approach to virtual teams. And Brent's nodding. I think I must have told him the story before. You but have. I think um, probably one of our listeners has played World of Warcraft, and the people are addicted to this game. You get to the end game, and you go on these big uh, raids or these quests with uh, random people. And those are virtual teams right so some of the rules from visual from world of warcraft we want to follow here are you form the team to accomplish a specific task like you know go get the chest of bobloomba um plus two plus yeah well and you put uh, a diverse team together that's capable of accomplishing that task so you don't go in there with a bunch of warriors or all magicians. You get a diversified team so you can actually get the thing done. Everybody's involved. Everyone has a role. When the task is done, the team shares the rewards. That can be um, just accolades or whatever. They share just the accomplishment of getting it done, whatever. Share the rewards, and then they either disband because they're done or decide to take on another project. Now, you play World of Warcraft. You don't go on a raid that takes three months to finish. They're short-term. First thing you figure out is what are we going to get done? Is that feasible in some short amount of time, a month or two? And you get that done, and after that, you decide if you want to take on the next thing or disband. Then you're done. You go away. It's a small group. Everyone's involved. Everyone has a role. And that form, I think, is a wonderful version of how to run a V team. Not these things where everybody kind of gets together and hangs on, and everybody just wants to be informed and not do any work. Drives me f nuts. The The... I've actually come to learn it as, as a different thing. So the word working group is now the thing that I'm allergic to. In B teams, I'm okay with. Because working groups, by definition, they never end. And I'm like, oh. no. So I will not be a part of any working group. The, the, we need a whole new I term. A team, because often V team and working group, at least at Microsoft, are sort of interchanged. And we need a, a new term for a group that is, by definition, short-termed. So when I run a V team, it's very similar. The very first day, I get everyone in the, in the room, and I said, we're not leaving this room until we've done two things. 
We understand what are the goals that we needed to deliver in order to abandon this V team. So I'm starting off with, we are abandoning this V team, but we have stuff we need to do. And then the second thing is what are the success metrics that we will know we will use to determine whether or not we are in the weeds on track um, or I guess some in between state. All right. Yeah. I, I think it's often lost, you know, let's get, you know, V team is like, let's get together and talk about code coverage. And like, what do you want to do with it? I don't know. Let's just talk about it. Does somebody want to talk first? Yes. <laughs> let's cover code. Great. Goal done. Stop the V team. No, so one of the things that, that's very exciting for me right now is that I'm seeing a sign uh, at our company that the next important shift in the change is beginning to occur. So Alan and I have been spending a lot of time around helping to, to lead change, and it's been primarily around two important states, I guess. One is the way I would phrase it is sort of on-premises thinking and, and why we needed a waterfall or an, uh, a, a long span iterative process moving to a, more of a service or an agile model. And another thing that, that I know I blogged about, I don't know that we talked about it. Did we ever talk about QoS and QoE here? I don't think so. Oh. QoS and QoE, these stand for quality of service and quality of experience. Now, what they basically are is the evaluation. QoS is the evaluation of the system behavior. So these are things like latency and performance and crashes and reliability, all of those type of things. How well does the system work and is it doing the right thing? And then QoE is sort of an analysis of customer behavior. And I know in my last blog, or not my last one, but a couple of blogs ago, I was talking around how people, how and why people should help people to migrate from a QoS model. We're focusing on, well, we got to keep the, the reliability of the service up and running uh, and, and begin to shift more towards a QoE world. Um, and in, in a nutshell, the reason why I share this is in, in a services world, a, a service that is 100% reliable that no one uses. What's your <laughs> feeling on this? <laughs> it's worthless. Right. It, it's absolutely, it's actually worse than worthless because yeah, we spent millions you invested of dollars money in <laughs> building one. Right. The, um, <clears throat> and one of the discussions that I have quite often with, with uh, leadership in the last um, several years is, is trying to help them understand that. And what I'm now seeing signs is uh, the company shifting more towards the reverse. So people will generally shift from QoS and then slowly migrate to QoE. It makes sense in, 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 in if what people were used to were sort of on-premises. Well, it, I think that works with sort of the risk model of I, you know, I want to make sure my reliability is there. And then I can roll it out to more people, and they can them. Them will worry about their experience. Right, but the problem with that, the problem yeah, with that, I, model, know the, I know the problem. It's 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 trying this, to apply logic. It's the service equivalent of, but we got our value proposition right. 
right? So in the on-prem world, right, some PM three years ago for the product that we just shipped today, some PM three years ago, put his finger up in the air and said, I think the wind's blowing this way. And we went all in on that. So it's the same version. If you, if, you, if you ship a service, you go with QoS first, um, you're basically saying the same thing. We know to be true that the value customers get out of our product is that it doesn't crash and it's performant and right. That's exactly <laughs> that's exactly it. It is Notepad. We put Notepad on the web. Um, whereas Webpad, Webpad. So whereas what I'm very excited about is seeing um, the beginning of a groundswell where people realize that the startup mentality um, MVP doesn't mean a beta. MVP means no. We are literally shipping the minimum um, product that we need to answer this important question. Are we going in the right direction? Right. And if we are, then we'll stabilize that. Yeah. And that, that's, that's such a – it's so fundamentally logical that I, it, I can't believe that it's taken us as long to figure it out. It, it's it's this, this prevailing belief that people got to hold on to their own world. With white knuckles, I, I am now aware of several uh, big, uh, high-level leaders throughout the company that their response to sort of their underlings, but still senior people in test, for example, test goes. But what about all the bugs? And but well, what's happening now is that the discussion's not happening anymore. That was what was. Oh well, let's let's work it out, and make everyone happy. No, what's happening now is those leaders are like, you know what? I don't care. We're going this way. Deal with it. If you don't like it, find another position. To which I <laughs> applaud. Okay. All right. Is that I, I like that. Anything else on that? No. Very happy. Happy, 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 happy. All right. We're going to do a little bit of a, a shorter podcast today because I have to go to a baseball game. He um, gets to go to a baseball game. It's my kids. It's, it's, the, uh, it's the Little League uh, playoffs. Pretty exciting. But one quick announcement. I got some big news, Brent. So we don't have a mailbag today. So yeah. maybe you should do like the mailbag thing for announcement. Like N- announcement. That one will work. All right. Thanks, Brent, for covering that for me. Yep. There is uh, an award at Microsoft called an MSAA, Microsoft Achievement Award. And I received one about nine years ago. And what this award well, is. Well, a very belated congratulations. <laughs> yeah. And so for nine years, I've been, uh, you know, when am I going to use this? And what, what, when you redeem the award, and I fill out a little paperwork and had my boss and his boss, our VP, um, sign it. And what that does is gives me two months off paid. Nice. So I'm combining a little vacation with that. And that means that from July 1st to Labor Day... I'm out of here. So where are we going to be doing the podcast? For? I don't know what to do there. We'll figure something out. Maybe tell you what. You record some stuff. Send it to me. I'll record some <laughs> stuff. And I'll, I'll merge them together and, and post them from the south yeah, of France. I will not be doing that because you're very clever with that. And I want to make it clear what <laughs> I actually said. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll hear Brent say, I am a, a weird pretty, man. Yeah. I but, am a pretty girl. <laughs> Say say the word dresses. No. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll Do you have plans, out. or is it just not yeah, working? I, uh, nah, it's not working in the south of France. 
spending uh, seven weeks in Provence and followed by a week in Japan visiting some friends of ours there. And then I, I don't think by uh, the time I get home, I will have gone all the way around the world. Does Skype do recording? I, well, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll, we'll figure something out. We may take a break for a while. Sorry, but uh, or we'll we'll do something. Yeah. Oh, you know what else? Another big announcement's coming up. World Cup soccer. Yeah, when's that start? June twelfth. How do you not know this? I'm. <laughs> I watch real football. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, so my training in soccer is something that I'm nascent in, and I've been asking Alan, and he knows this for for years to actually uh, uh, ramp me up on this. All right, we have to. We should have. Maybe I won't use it by name, but that soccer conversation sometime. You probably want to write it first. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we, that, that's a whole full podcast. And we, sh- cool we should start my training somewhere around June 12th <laughs> involving a beer or two. All right. Um, I think uh, discussions have devolved to beer, which is always a good place to go. Yep. Um, they don't serve beer at Little League games, but I'll deal with it. They have water. Just yeah, pretend. I'll pretend. All right. Thanks, everybody. I'm Alan. I'm Brent. And we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.